It has been a brutal year for developers in the video game industry. Massive layoffs from Activision Blizzard, EA, ArenaNet, the collapse of Telltale Studios, well over a thousand people suddenly out of work. For some, it's the result of corporate greed, others from bad business decisions and poor game sales. And for those that are still left, what happens to them? Do they just become even more overworked than they already are? Crunch time, as it's known in the industry, is pervasive, with developers often working 14-hour days for weeks and months on end to meet the unrealistic deadlines of publishers and shareholders. Will they be forced to pick up the slack? We'll tackle these issues and give our two cents on these events, next on Downloadable Content. to downloadable content long time no podcast i know life has happened but fear not we are back and with me we have ron hey everyone and we have ronnie greetings we give you the ron and ronnie show ladies and gentlemen once again double your rons double your pleasure which means you're going to have plenty of podcasts to listen to on your drive wherever you're going because it's a three-hour podcast. A three-hour podcast. A three-hour <laughs> podcast. Thirty-five years later, they got off the goddamn island. <laughs> but yes, Pepperidge Farm remembers on this <laughs> podcast. Oh, I was waiting for that. Well, I'll be old and gray when this podcast is over. It's but when when Final Fantasy VII remake comes out, so. But before we dive into the very, very uh, serious topics at hand you know, today. But you know, one of these days, Brian, all of these games you're giving a hard time are going to be out. And then you're only going to have Half-Life 3 to give them a hard time about. I'm probably going to be dead at that point, so it won't matter. So <laughs> before we dive into the talk about layoffs and crunch want to remind everyone out there that every single episode of downloadable content is on our website dlcpodcast.com you can check out upcoming episodes let us know if you want to be in on an episode every single episode can also be found on itunes youtube stitcher and google play music so all of the different ways to get downloadable content into your ears i'm not responsible for anything that happens as a result though so you have been warned Alrighty, gentlemen, let us get to work on today's topics. Now, I know that we have not recorded an episode of downloadable content since January, and a lot has happened. I have been, unfortunately, very woefully out of the loop as far as... 
the video game industry kind of collapsed in on itself like a massive like a super massive black hole just sucking everything into it destroying it destroying companies it's like what the hell happened i leave it for a few months to do an art show and look what happened look what happened when i left you shouldn't do that anymore. That's what that's what caused it. That's, I, like, where did you fail? I left you alone for five months. Where did you go wrong? Well, let's be honest here. With most of the companies we're going to be talking about today, their issues didn't didn't happen this year. This was a buildup of multiple issues over a long period of time that all just happened to fall apart at the same time. Seemingly, yes. And even even with me, you know, off doing other things, you know, this past winter and then most of spring, you know, I was still able to follow, you know, thanks to social media, some of the major things going on in the industry. And I just, the things that kept popping up repeatedly, this studio was doing massive layoffs. This studio is doing massive layoffs. And I'm just like, what is going on here what you know and and reading some of what the causes of some of these layoffs are just at times heartbreaking and and other times absolutely maddening like i just i'm just gonna dive right in the one that sticks out the the most to me because it was one of the biggest was activision you know and despite and reading reading the information about what was the layoffs i got this the article talked about how despite activision making record profits for mm-hmm. this past year they still went ahead and cut you know 800 people because they didn't profit enough and that just got right under my skin. Just, like when, wait. when you said the when you said the biggest, I thought you were gonna go to Telltale Games. I'm getting there, but <laughs> Telltale is like the loss of the soul. But the the, the most numbers is gonna be Activision, I think. Yes, you know, Activ- yeah. well, no, 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 Activision definitely. I, I get why. I, I I thought of it as Telltale was the the biggest story in the industry, like. That definitely had the most news coverage. Oh, it absolutely did. Activision got me the angriest. Makes sense. Activision got me the angriest. Now, Telltale's one, we'll, we'll talk about it at length. Yeah. Telltale was was very heartbreaking. Activision got me the angriest because of how Activision went about it. Again, despite them coming right out and saying, yeah, this was our biggest year ever in terms of profits and... and and, you know, sales, but we're still going to get rid of 800 people because we didn't profit enough. Are you kidding? <laughs> mm-hmm. So I, I will make I will make various arguments about things that as an industry have caused the, the pl- places where we as the fans where the industry itself has failed these companies. I will make no argument for Activision. They... So, 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 for, so for people who don't, aren't aware, Activision in 2018 made seven point five billion dollars in sales, and that's that's their sales by itself. And, and that was their biggest 1. year of all billion time. In profit. Yeah, one point eight billion in, in profit last year. So, I guess point one, their average operating cost is what five point seven billion mm-hmm. for 
while development, while server maintenance, depending on how laughable you want to say that, Overwatch development, Overwatch League, other such things. I mean, they got a lot of things going on. Yeah. Uh, like, like I, I don't begrudge them their profit. Yeah. It's it's just the fact that like they have all these things going on. They've had their biggest year of all time, the most profit I think they've ever they've ever had, and like most of these companies, I'll say you know a lot of companies they're they ride on a razor's edge. Even if they're making profit, one bad one messed up game or one thing could put a lot of companies out of business. Yeah. There's I, no argument there for Activision. Yeah, so, hey, so yeah, and I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm not disagreeing with you. I just did the math on it myself. It's, I'm I'm assuming a median average of eighty thousand a year for each like person that works there, and that price is prob that that salary per year is probably not anywhere close to being accurate, depending upon how many people got fired, what positions they were filling in, their general mm. paychecks and experience. I'm just using that as an example. Yep, eighty thousand a year times 800 people is 64 million dollars i that's like Peanuts. it's 0.5 percent of 1.8 billion i think yeah like did they read like was like yes that's a huge amount that's a huge amount for a lot of for a lot of smaller businesses and companies but for them and with how much they made that is chump change to them i mean <laughs> Three and I don't percent, get. Sorry, three and a half percent. I I don't, I don't get it. Like, they're going to need people. They can't keep cutting stuff down. So they just got rid of a bunch of their longtime people. I mean, I I hate, I I hate. Uh, I was devil's advocate's not the word. I hate conspiracy theorying it. But I wonder how many of those were longer-term employees that may be costing more in benefits than they would want to pay. Oh, I mean, that's a standard That's a standard corporate approach. You know, there, we're, in a, we're in an era now where, you know, it's no longer a badge of honor to work for a company 20, 30, 40 years. Because now, in, the, in, in our in our era of maximizing, you know, min-maxing on profits, suddenly your 20, 30, 40 year loyal employee is becomes a massive liability because of how much he's getting paid, he or she is getting paid, and their benefits. I, I worked at Walmart for 15 years. I, I know you And did. when I left, well, I, this is for the fans, when I left, there were only, we, we opened that store with 150 people. When I left, I think there are four people left that were there when I started. And I've watched at least four or five of those people get pushed out of the building. And they believe, and I believe primarily because of how much the company had to pay them because of how long they'd been with them. And that's, that's a thing in every industry. And I, I'm not saying that that has to do with here, but if they were going to cut people, I feel like that's probably where they were cutting. And, you know, um, Ron, just a, a brief mention. Uh, the CEO's salary at Activision. Um, don't, uh, don't tell me, Brian. I don't want to know. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get disgusted. 
2017 salary was 28.6 million. No, no, wait, for Kotick or? Yeah, Kotick. No, his salary was 1.75 million. He got 26 million in in stock value. Okay, okay. The article that I'm reading lumped it all together. Yeah, um, I'm looking at Kotaku right now, and Kotaku is saying that uh, Kotick's normal salary is 1.75 million, and then he got 26 million in stock and other equity awards in 2017. Okay, so so the the, the math adds up. It's just that the article that I was reading just lumped them together. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Dennis Durkin, who is their who is a returning CFO, was given a 3.75 million cash bonus and another 11.3 million in as yet unearned performance-based equity, according to Kotaku. Okay. Still, they're pulling down a lot of money, and they just and you know they again when you have now these now these layoffs happened in February, so they got rid. Activision Blizzard has about roughly 9,600 employees, and they got rid of 800, That, which translates to about 8% of its staff. Which is not an insignificant number. Yeah, and, and, and we don't know where these people left from. I don't think the report said where these people worked on the most. Like, was it... Was it people that had been there since like the early two thousands, or was it people who um, were like doing development of like Call of Duty or something like that? I don't it's, know if any article says where this this whole thing is is hard for me because I've always loved Blizzard as a company. Mm. Before the merger, I followed them afterwards, and. I feel like more and more of that company I love is being eaten by by Activision and by the corporate environment. I think there's something to be said for that. It's because I mean we 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 all remember what they were what they were separate. Mhm. And they were allowed to do a lot of their own stuff for a long time and I just feel like as it goes more and more of them is just kind of being absorbed into the whole and the whole is not necessarily like I'm it's not quite there yet but I'm waiting to the point that to the point that someday we refer to Activision Blizzard and EA as at the same level of bullshittery I think it's almost there to be honest (laughs) I don't I, I Let's put it this way, as bad as this is, as bad as stuff Activision does is, like, how many times a year do we see EA doing this kind of bullshit? Mm. Like, it's not a matter of being at that level, it's a matter of consistency, because EA is consistently bullshit. There's some controversy coming out of there every month. It's also a thing, too, where... EA is grown over the like 10, 15 years that we've been aware of them in the gaming vernacular mm-hmm. from being a large company that bought up a bunch of smaller studios in the early 2000s to make it stamp on being like the sports game, mm-hmm. the, the sports game people, and then their repeat attempts to 
buying up new companies and having them trying and having trying to get their their fingers in the other like genre market pie games of uh, like shooters or RPGs and, and varying business. Yeah, because they're treating they're treating it as corporate mongoloids who are just looking to make profits and Mr. Burns their way into golden parachutes. That's that's the thing about this. And there there's parallels going on to going on with movies here, but video games are are an industry of creative. And like just like movies, it is an industry of creatives, but it is also a corporate industry and you have a balance going on there. And certain companies like EA, there's no balance. It's way farther onto one side than the other. With places like Activision, I felt like for a while they were keeping a better balance of that. Not necessarily anymore. Yeah. And, you know, we have, we have, you know, with Activision Blizzard, with, 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 you know, the layoffs due to corporate greed. On the other end, we have Telltale, which was just immensely heartbreaking. Now, this happened back uh, in September. So, less than a year ago. And, you know, Telltale Games was, was one of those situations where... Uh, it was the star of the industry like it brought back a genre that people thought was dead it's catapulted itself to to the star to the, the spotlight and then it burned it burned itself out by trying to play the game that the other companies were doing yeah and you know as it got as the as Telltale Studios got bigger and bitter, bigger, it was working on more and more games, but that increased workload led to basically all of their developers being in constant crunch, which will well, it wasn't just that; it was also uh, the fact that they they grew faster than they could manage. They needed, to, they needed to onboard way more people than they could properly train in their culture, and they didn't have enough of their original crew in each of the teams. So what made Telltale special was diluted. They weren't able to bring people in, teach them the way we did things here, bring them into the teams. They had to bring full, basically full teams in and just have one person from their regular crew in there, and it... it diluted what they did they couldn't manage all of this all at once to try to meet a demand that they were partially making themselves if memory serves it was also a thing where like like they took on too many projects at the same time didn't have enough employees to spread around yep and they ended up mismanaging some of their money if memory serves Yep. Uh, in terms of how they handled out marketing, how they handled out um, like benefits for for CEOs and like executives, and it wasn't it it was it's kind of they nickel and dimed themselves out of existence basically. Yep. 
they they try they went from being a small company to being a large corporate environment but they didn't grow there naturally and because of that they were trying to put all of these systems in place without fully understanding them and they they didn't put it together properly like they telltale games is not a we can't go there's a single thing that caused it no. it was a failure across the entire company in ev everywhere there were tiny failures that all added up to a total a total collapse because they they got big very quickly and <laughs> it, they weren't prepared for it and, and I think it's also a thing too that I'm mentioning is if, as beloved as the Telltale games are they had a preset formula down pat and they never really deviated off of that and in any sort of business whether you're making bread or you're making video games if you don't find some way to put a new twist on things and innovate along with having the a the 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 what people have come to you for in the beginning with and then this new hotness that you're trying they're trying out if you don't have this new hotness then people are eventually going to lose interest and you're in bed and your ingrained player base is not going to be enough to sustain you because people age out of it, people don't can't afford it anymore. Whatever you're making may maybe may be something that interests them I, compared to like, like like between The Walking Dead versus Batman versus Borderlands. Like that, those are three I, wildly different genres. I I I I agree with you in general. I disagree with you with Telltale, and that is. They basically were dominating. They brought back and were dominating a single genre, and yes, their, their 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 uh, their formula worked. And I think it could have continued working at this point. It was it worked so well that they were buying all of the the licenses for all of these things to do all of this stuff at once, rather than going okay, we're we're we'll just we're just going to keep doing our two two game like one or two games a year maybe we'll start bringing a couple people on and we'll eventually start doing three instead they went from doing two games a year to eight games a year to buying 12 licenses and trying to do all of that at once and by the way it's not just them doing their games it's just doing their episodic content which means yep. they're putting out new new episodes every exactly three months or four months yeah like I, I agree with you, and when we talk about more crowded genres, you absolutely need to do stuff to make yourself stand out. But the fact that this was basically a dead genre means they stood out just from existing. That's yeah, but, all I was I mean, getting at. But even being a dead genre, does there is there is a, a concept of mon monopolization and that there is no competition and yeah, competition and in, in in that genre, no competition would mean that your any ideas or innovate you. You have no pressing desire to innovate, no pressing desire to make changes, and yeah. as we've seen, no, as we've seen in, in nature, lack of change doesn't necessarily mean healthy biosphere. Yeah. Well, it let's put it this way: it ab all I'm arguing, all I was arguing is absolutely that could that that could have been a that could have made Telltale fall eventually, but we were not 
anywhere near that saturation point at this point. Their games were still selling excellently. There's no, there, there, there's no evidence that that was what was anything that caused the issue here. Fair. Not that that couldn't cause an issue, couldn't have caused an issue for them in the future. Yeah, I think they, I mean, they, they sort of took on way too much. And, you know, by the time they realized it, it was a bit too late because, you know, when you saw the, the stories and, and tweets and social media posts from Telltale employees after the fact, they would be, they, a lot of them said, you know, we were frequently working, you know, 60, 70, 80 hour weeks with really no let up in schedules. Like as soon as one game was done, they'd immediately have to go into crunch on the next game because the publishers or the license, uh, the license holders were like, no, we're not giving you any more time. Uh-huh. And management, upper management, you know, the, the, the final nail in the coffin was nobody knew that the company was going to close except for upper management. Nobody got any word of warning. The C- I was going to say, even most of the, from what I understand, even most of the, like, managers and, like, even upper people didn't know. There were, like, four or five people total that knew what it was going to happen before they put the thing down. Yeah. like Holy hell. Like, there was one employee... Uh, who had no idea. He had been working until 3 a.m. the night before with not a clue. And then, you know, next day, the CEO announces that the studio is closing and, oh, by the way, no one's getting any severance. Memory serves, it wasn't just that the studio was closing. It was also, like, pretty much, like, we're closing. We have no money in our bank account. We can't pay you. And we're still contractually obligated to finish up at least the last episode of The Walking Dead. So you're going to have to work and not get paid for it just so that we don't get sued. Just so we don't get sued. Okay, wait. The people who stayed did get paid. Everyone else was released without severance. The people who stayed to complete. Yeah. Yeah. There was a, a, a skeleton crew of 25 that was stayed behind to finish off working on uh, Minecraft story mode. The Walking Dead got uh, shunted to another company. Yeah. Okay. It was Minecraft Story Mode that stayed back. But yeah, Apologies. no, they, they did have to hold on to a small crew. They did get paid, but once again, and everybody else, nobody got a severance. And then I assume they didn't get a severance once they were done with that. But at least they had more notice than a day. <laughs> or in some cases, a few hours. <laughs> So, you know, I mean, and that's just, that was just sort of heartbreaking because, I mean, we have, we all have commented on DLC many, many times before about the rigors of game development. Like, I, like recently, you know, we're talking about Smash Brothers. Um, I'm drawing a blank on the, on the developer, the head developer, who basically lived at Nintendo and his health. Sakurai. Thank you. Like, who basically is not allowed to sleep. Same thing with the with the head developer of Final Fantasy XIV, Yoshida. Like, it is a joke that these men do not sleep. It, it um, for for again for those who are not, I don't know if we've mentioned it before, but um, when when Square Enix did their 
re-release of Final Fantasy XIV from 1.0 to Aroma Reborn slash 2.0, leading up into it, basically everyone working on the game was working like 120 hours a week. Yep, they were they were adding new content to 1.0 to finish the story off and lead to their climax while they were basically building an entire game almost from scratch. And then when they closed 1.0, they had nine months? They also didn't you, they also had a bunch of time where they were not getting paid where they where they were not getting money from, from people. They they turned subscriptions off on 1.0 until they fixed a lot of the underlying issues. They only turned subscriptions back on 1.0, I think six months before it ended, basically going, okay, we, we've gotten 1.0 where it needed to be, and we have the ongoing story to the end. We, we, we're we turning this back on because we need to fund getting 2.0 finished. Yeah. And, but, they had, and, but they had like nine months where they were getting nothing in. Yeah. And, and, and again, I forget, I forget the exact number, but I want to say like they were basically like 120 hours a week. Like they would, like a lot of them were quite literally just like working 18, 20, 20, 21 hours crawling underneath their cubicle, sleeping for three hours, and then getting having another person wake them up so they could get back to work. Like, that's just to yep. get Unrealm Reborn out the door. Yeah, it's... The industry is... Here's the funny part. The industry's crazy. But when we talk about crunch, like, the crunch is terrible here. The crunch is awful here. But the crunch over in Japan is... Worse. That's, again, I think I've mentioned it before. That's a societal, cultural it belief. Is. Yeah, I mean, we're talking about, you know, where is where is the problem here? It's like, you hear you hear about the, all these layoffs coming from major, major studios, big-name studios. We've talked about Activision. We've talked about Blizzard. Um, ArenaNet that does uh, Guild Wars and Guild Wars 2. You know, they're, they were planning big layoffs because their games aren't making enough money. So, you know, what, you know, what's the, the situation here? It's like, why does, why is crunch a thing? It's like, is it really just because publishers are that freaking greedy? I mean, no. it, does it, is it just money related? I mean... Why is crunch a thing in the first okay. place? Okay, there's two different things you're talking about. We're talking about the layoffs and crunch, because crunch has very, very different reasons to lay off. Okay. Uh, crunch is because the video game industry never grew properly. And anybody who came from the industry will tell you, like, there are so many ways that things can be improved so that crunch is not necessary. But the industry and the companies as a whole have not done that. And crunch works. They like they do this because the less hands they have in the game, the more people who are are spending all their time on it, they don't have any they have less chances of there being issues if you take that one person and you split them into two people hour-wise like the more people you have, 
the more issues you can have with it. The harder it is to manage, the harder it is to pull together. That's a caveat crunch usually works in the gaming industry. Uh, as has been proven recently with yeah. a certain uh, Bioware game, crunch does not necessarily turn the game from shit into amazing. Oh, absolutely. I, I was gonna but say. there's a lot of underlying things on that, too. I'm just saying, like, from their perspective, the reason they do crunch makes sense. And not, like, doing the spreading out we can isn't even necessarily much a cost-cutting thing, which it is. But, like, they would literally have a bunch more issues they need to deal with. Which they should be fucking dealing with, because to me, it is a moral fucking issue excuse my language, that we are make, we are working people to death, and I don't care if it, ha if it makes a better product working them to death rather than having two separate people. As an industry, we can't do that, but I can at least understand why they do this, why they see this as a thing. It's also a thing, too, where people in the gaming industry have been crying out now for at least 10 years now that there needs to be regulation, there needs to be unionization of gaming studios and anything related to video game production, whether it's unionization of programmers, unionization of voice actors, unionization of um, script writers and script performers, things like that. And there's a current cultural perception right now that doesn't favor unions for some weird reason. I don't know why that people think unions are bad. I, I favor unions, but I can say I for quite a while I did not. And I still have some of the feelings because I have a shitload of friends. I have probably 20 or 30 people who left the same union to come to work at our Walmart. And I've heard horror stories and how much better it was here where they didn't have that. Yeah. And a lot of pe and a lot of people I know have heard those stories. Not all unions are good, but unions as a whole are necessary. Absolutely. And your your host here is part of a state employees union. Uh, and and that's awesome. And I, honestly, I typically view state unions more favorably, but. But yes, there, there are unions that exist to uh, money suck. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, but um, yeah, I lost my train of thought. Uh, and the, basically, the finished point I was going to make was there is no union, so therefore there is no employee pushback on these companies to, to go, hey, you can't do crunch time, or if you're going to do crunch time, we as employees need to be paid very fucking well for it. Yeah. Because we're doing, like, I don't even know if people in normal crunches get anything better than like time and a half. Yeah, they're they're doing know. the work of three people. They yeah. a lot of a lot of um, developers, a lot of these workers, um, they're salaried, which means they have yeah. a set salary. They're gonna get paid that, however, no matter how many hours they work. Well, yeah, the other the other side of that that goes off of it is. Most of them, um, a, a lot of them in the industry, do get bonuses when they hit certain milestones in the project, including um, hitting certain uh, scores when the game is released. Yeah, but I, I don't. But if your game is getting released, I 
and you're an employee and you're working okay let's also be honest here a lot of game studios in in the, um, the west are centered around california mm-hmm. because media industry there and living in california especially when you're talking about living when you're talking about living in or around la or san diego or even san francisco it's pretty expensive like anyone living in la i think what's the minimum income in california like 14 an hour and that's still not and that's living in it and that's still having you live in a a closet with with brown water to to, to, say it's to send yourself off of and said closet cost about forty five thousand a year minimum wage in california is 12 an hour yeah, and I don't think I don't think you can live in LA on minimum wage. No. No, you can't. You live with you live with seven other people in one room. Yeah, and and, and it, it's and it's a room that that's about the size of a of a bread box. But th- I think a big issue with this as well is the the sheer amount of people who are trying to get into the video game industry means that Every individual person in a company, by the company, is viewed as replaceable. Unless you are the director or one of the upper management, you are viewed as somebody that we can... There are 12 other people who are just as qualified looking for your job because the video game industry is something so many people grew up with and want to be part of, and a lot of them are willing to put up with being treated terribly to get to work in the industry they love. And you can't be a director or a publisher or a storyteller or a creative manager, generally speaking, unless you've already been in the industry for 5, 10, 15 years. Yeah, absolutely. Because, and it's just a, it's a thing, too, of just like, those positions cannot change or generally perceived as do not changing. So you get these situations where you have people who have been like, people who have been with Blizzard or this like the, the creative manager of Blizzard I think was only recently recently left or some so I mean some person at Blizzard recently left and they were like the creative consultant or the creative manager and he was had helped make like StarCraft 2 and helped design Overwatch and things like that I forget the individual's name and I, I, I could be misremembering entirely but I, I swore Blizzard had someone leave recently that was a major, like that was a that was one of those director positions, and it was a generally seen as like a surprise that he left. Well, we 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 touched on uh, ArenaNet, uh, yes, taking it. Uh, we touched on ArenaNet uh, laying off a bunch of. people. I do want to point out differences here, though, yep. because ArenaNet gave out two months of severance. They did. And, they did. And they laid people off because they were, they are, like, they had a drastic decline in sale. They had to end several projects just to be able to keep things afloat. Like, I'm not going to, they're not going out of business, but, like, they they did this because they are hemorrhaging. Yeah, I mean, and as I said in the intro, I mean, we, it's just been the, the the reasons for the mass layoffs have, have been varied. I mean, we, we touched on the corporate greed, we touched on the bad management. Now, in the case of ArenaNet, this was just this is a case of uh, 
no money. <laughs> the, the, pro the problem? Yes. I was going to say, is it, it's a combination of poor sales and um, they don't have any reliable source of income, if memory serves? Yeah, they do MMOs, but they do MMOs that do not have a monthly fee, so they generally make their money up through expansions, and they hadn't had an expansion in two years. Yeah, if memory serves, the reunit you said they do Guild Wars, Guild Wars 2, right? Correct. They do Guild Wars, Guild Wars 2, they do, uh, what, Ion, they do... They they, they they have a pretty diverse portfolio, but the, the biggest thing they do is Guild Wars. Yeah, and if memory serves, I, I played Guild Wars 2, it was a thing always where their thing was always, you buy the MMO, that's it. If you want to continue supporting us, we have a cash shop for things that are usually cosmetics. Yeah. Skins and things like that, and that's about it, which I applaud them for in, 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 the, in the era of MMOs generally not being, if you're not World of Warcraft or or um, Final, Fantasy. Final Fantasy, you're kind of, or, or um, uh, Eve, like you're, you're kind of you kind of are like fighting upstream with with a, a broken paddle, but um, it's it's definitely in a subscription model that or not a subscription model, but a a, a business profit model that leads to large spikes and then very little income trickling afterwards, then large spike, then trickling income, and the the. The, 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 the peaks and the valleys are definitely very noticeable with well, that sort I, of thing. I, I think one big thing where we can we can take a look between video games and ho the Hollywood industry. Video game, both industries are at the point where this, making a AAA game or making a blockbuster movie is prohibitively expensive. The, the costs have gone up astronomically high compared to where it has been in, in the past. Absolutely. Even for AAA games in the recent past. Yeah. But there's a, but the big difference here is video game publishers still can only afford to do one or two big games like that a year because they don't have the funds. They they Even the biggest companies still will be, will have a, even if they don't go under, even if even EA having a bomb drastically hurts them. And for any studio that's under like the biggest three can nearly be put out of, as we can see, nearly be put out of business from a major fall. Meanwhile, in Hollywood, the companies are so large, they can do multiple of these big ones. And if one flops, they can make that money back from the others. No company in the video game industry is big enough to do that at this point. I think it's worth pointing out that the reason why that can happen in Hollywood, specifically for movies and TV shows, is because both of those things have multiple sources of income, multiple sources of... They have a long tail. Yeah, they, they, they have a long tail. Like, they have... They have potential ad revenue they can get for if it's a TV show from commercials and selling it to air on network television or what have you. If they eventually get to um, syndication status, they can then just license out the syndication rights to some basic cable company and continue accruing ad revenue and syndication rights 
that and, way. And, D, and DVD sales. Yeah, DVD sales, sales, season sales, block sales. Even for um, movies, too, you can get syndication rights and commercial money f- from that, from the networks, because given enough time, any movie will eventually show up on TV with some slight editing. But for video, video games, you don't have that. Video games have one of the shortest half lives out of ev- out of all all entertainment. Video, you have, you, video- your, your game comes out if you're lucky and or you're good enough. Your game comes out on every available major major platform, and if you're really lucky, your game sells well enough that when the next generation when the next console generation shows up, it gets put on the cat. It gets put on the digital store. I. M- I've been t- I've heard from the industry. Now this is not true for every game, but that the majority of games make ninety percent of their sales in two weeks. Yeah, the first two lifetime weeks sales, the, yeah. of the entire game. Yeah, that's that's not that's not I don't even think that's an exaggeration. I don't even think that's that's an exaggeration. I think that's it, generally it, fact. It's a quick, it, it's a quick yeah. turnaround. Like yeah. and and that like there's no tail to that. You make exactly what you're going to make in two weeks and anything else that comes after that is is minor is minuscule and that two-week window like that's that's it it's it's not like dvd and blu-ray sales where these people will will make money these companies will make money off these movies for years because people want to come back to them we don't while we have a, a a culture of nostalgia in video games very that doesn't always come to supporting the companies and their releases in the future as much as uh, as brian might give uh the re-releases we get a hard time um a lot of people will go i own this already i'm not gonna buy it again but them putting it back out is their way of trying to make a little bit more money outside of that two-week window trying to give it that long tail like dvds and blu-rays have um, but the industry isn't buying, and it's them just trying to trying to do that because the cost the cost to make these games has gone up way farther than we're, we as people are willing to pay, and the smaller companies are paying the price of that. Right. I mean, you have made the argument for years, Ronnie, that video games should actually cost way more than 60 bucks because that 50 that 50 or 60 dollar threshold that it costs for a new triple a title has been the same since the nes days yep we had we had games that cost 60 dollars back in the nes i will i will say yes a lot of them cost 50 and there were a couple that cost 40 but we had $60 games in the NES era. We did. We had them in the Super Nintendo era, which shortly, which inside of that, into between that and the PlayStation era, when it standardized at 60 and it's never gone up. Yeah. And money's worth a lot less now than it was then. I was, was going to say, I feel like the reason why... Okay, there's two reasons why. And you mentioned one. You mentioned before that they tried, in, they tried out increasing the prices... By they tried to do it. They tried to. They tried to increase it to seventy dollars in Canada, and they got so much kickback, not just in Canada but worldwide, that they immediately reverted it. Yeah. So I, again, like that's part. And I feel like eighty percent of it is due to 
things that the video gaming industry does not have control over. That yeah. they are societal issues and other cultural issues that do not encompass a video game podcast and therefore should not, I don't think, feel like it can be discussed on that. <laughs> what, you don't want to take this in the political direction, Mom? I know. I would, I would like to avoid that political political shift because got, I'm going to try. We've got five minutes left in the first half. Then you will save that for off-air. <laughs> yeah, that's off-air stuff. It, the vast majority of it is the thing that the video game industry does not have control over because they, 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 they just, just don't. don't. They just don't. The, and the few things they do have control over, they still cannot do it because people, by and large, look at a game, then look at their wallet and go, do I think this game is worth X amount of dollars? Yes. And, they, and they've had to try to... As much as... Like, we can go... They're trying to nickel and dime us, but, like, some of the more disgusting acts that they've done with loot boxes and with taking advantage of people and with Skinner box theory is stuff they've literally done because they don't know how to make that money they need and they're yeah, not they, doing they it because they don't know they're... how to they, again like they don't know how to make that tail longer and so they're they're literally they're literally just throwing shit at the wall they're grabbing what sticks and loot boxes and cash shop bullshit right now Stop. is the only thing that seems to be that's the only seems to be sticking and they need like we, we, like, when people talk about this and people think, oh, I don't want to pay more because the, the industry's greedy, there's big companies. Like, there's, like, three companies that are that are large enough that you could call them greedy for what they're doing. Most of the companies, even the ones that make AAA games, like, they're doing this because they need to make some more money if they want to not go out of business when they have their first one. I will like, say that Except for EA. EA can go die. Yeah, well, EA is what I'm talking about when I say, like, there's two or three companies that are that big. EA I, is that big. Activision Blizzard as one company is that big. I will say it is Square a different... In, it, I don't think anything Square Enix is number three. Square, no, Square Enix isn't. Nintendo is. I don't even think Nintendo is anymore. Um, to, to, finish the, the, to finish up, I guess, is the point I have is, like, note that we're only talking about, like, console gaming and PC gaming. Mobile gaming is an entirely different sphere and yeah. you've seen and read horror stories about how abusive those games can be yeah and we're not talking about that 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 is it that is a topic of discussion for another time i feel about how abusive the mobile gaming industry has been with its the, the mobile game purchases. industry yeah the mobile game industry and the traditional video game industry are really two separate industries and there are companies that will do releases in both but for the most part they are very separate yeah they are absolutely they're two different worlds right there yeah and I, I feel like it's, it's just worth mentioning that that, that that is an important distinction that we're that, that needs to be made and all i will say about the mobile industry is for 85 to 95 percent of them they are very abusive with their cash shop Maybe maybe eighty five is a little bit too high, but for I would like there there are a couple that that aren't, but no that that sounds pretty good. I, they are very abusive with their cash shop, and where they put the buttons is very abusive. As a little anecdote, little anecdotal thing, 
I was at a family function a few months ago, and while we were sitting around for dinner waiting for food, the the, the parents pull out the cell phones for the kids, and what my 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 aunt pulls out her phone for um, her granddaughter, who was my great niece, who was my niece basically, and the and the kid want the kid's like a three year old, so like they but they but they want to play a game on the cell phone, and I'm like okay sure whatever. But then she loads up Candy Crush, and almost immediately she goes to press the the, the pretty little pink pink lollipop that's going to lead right directly into the cash shop. And like both myself and my aunt who are watching her go, no, 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 don't press the pink lollipop. Press the press the press the yellow candy. Press the yellow tootsie roll pop to get into the game. <laughs> one 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 thing I uh, I feel the need to point out um, we'll close for with, the we'll fans close that with are this. for the fans that are currently listening. We are not saying that mobile games aren't games, and they should be talked about in the same. And, and we we should be talking about them. When we talk about games. It's just that specifically we are talking about the layoffs that have been happening in the traditional games industry, and we're just trying to separate that out so we don't think we're talking about both of them at the same time. In this, just to clarify, just just to clarify that little disclaimer there at the end of the first half. But so far, so good, gentlemen. Some great discussion coming about. We will continue this in our second half. We'll, we will we'll unwind. We'll have a little bit of soothing music, a little bit of calm and relaxing before we amp ourselves back up again for the second half, and we continue to talk about the layoffs and and the crunch and the the horror stories of the of the triple a video game industry as far as development is concerned so that is does does that include a certain bioware game brian if you want to talk about a certain bioware game in the second half we can absolutely talk about that very specific certain bioware game that we all know the name of We'll let you start with that and get that off your chest. It sounds like you've been itching to to just explode about it. So we'll give Cranky Kong his due to start the second half. In the meantime, you are listening to Downloadable Content. We'll be back.
Welcome back to DLC, talking about video game layoffs and crunch and a bunch of unsavory things that covers modern AAA video game development. We are all still here. Hopefully we are, uh, we, we've calmed down a little bit after the break. I know we're just, we're going to get wound up again because as you heard at the end of the first half you, you heard Ron getting getting excited about a particular game by Bioware that uh, has been in the news for for the last few months for a lot of wrong reasons. And I said I would give Ron the floor so that he could get that off his chest. So, uh, Ron, the floor is yours. You can talk about this specific Bioware game. For those who have been living under a rock the past few months... Bioware released a game called Anthem, which we saw some um, various video game footage of during E3 2017, and people looked at it and thought this might be interesting, the whole flying mechanics with Destiny-style looking gameplay of gunplay and special effects and uh, special abilities. People thought it might be a really interesting take on the looter-shooter like MMO FPS genre and we the game eventually got released and it got very much lambasted in the news for a lot of very specific reasons and a lot of the reasons were well levied against the game the problem for why these why these things didn't exist were not really known until a few weeks later and this is how it ties into the whole discussion of crunch and corporate overlords fucking up games for those who are unaware Kotaku did a very in-depth article about why Anthem ended up not doing so well and it's a very long article like almost a half hour read to get through it from top to bottom in one sitting to summarize it briefly, it is a... From the very beginning of the game, they had a lack of cohesive vision from the the creative directors and the various people who wanted to make the game. They basically just sat down in a boardroom, said, okay, what do we want Anthem to be? And they just put up a pull, bulletin board of like note, sticky, sticky um, post-it notes and note cards of like what they want to see in the game. Then they did not take that instead of taking that bulletin board of ideas and condensing it down, they just added more to it and added more bulletin boards and added more bulletin boards and didn't do any sort of development programming or or any sort of like initial sketching of ideas out into into game mechanics. They just started doing like concept art and things like that. And then this was how the game started off for the first 18 months. Then as they start getting into the actual, you know, programming of the game and, de- and developing it, they come into another issue. EA is doing a whole uh, company-wide initiative of pushing the Frostbite engine for their games because they think that if they have all their games be on one engine, it's going to be cheaper for them to code and not have to worry about paying licenses for like uh, Unreal Engine or other studio proprietary de- game development engines, which is an understandable thing. However, Frostbite Engine is a clunky piece of shit. And for as an example, 
various other comparative, like Unreal Engine as an example, to to compile a a a scene to test the lighting in the level would take a few hours. In Frostbite, it took them a day to do the lighting test just to compile the level. And the lighting test didn't work out. Okay, well then you have to go into the go back into the engine, tinker around with lights some more, have it bake for another day, and then go back and see if it actually if it actually looks better. This is now like 2014-2015. The game should already be a, l- a lot further along than it already is. But no, it's not. They're still dealing, doing content art and working with Frostbite Engine and trying to get used to it and getting it all up to date and figuring out how to how to work this clunky, jarbled piece of shit together. Then, you uh, and, and for this point in time, the people that you should be adding to this development team is not happening because Bioware is busy working on Andromeda at this point in time. So you have a smaller normal development team. Then, EA steals developers from Bioware to work on FIFA to get FIFA working on the Frostbite engine because FIFA is how EA makes its fucking money. EA's general business model screwed over Bioware in this because stealing the developers from this game to get the Frostbite engine working for FIFA and the other sports titles meant that you didn't have these people working on the game to identify these problems sooner or fix these problems or have these experienced people teach the new people coming in now that Andromeda had finished general development and had been released to its middling ground of success that these and so you didn't have these these people coming in working on frostbite again trying to get get that clunky piece of shit underneath their ropes for them to work on top of that you then have general bioware elitism screwing themselves over during development because they had this built-in culture thought of okay, the Bioware magic of crunch time is going to happen. We're going to turn this steaming pile of shit into a AAA game in eighteen in nine months or 18 months or whatever. Then the the whole E3 video happens and people are, are hyped about that. They didn't even know they were going to have flying in the goddamn game until six weeks before the E3 demo or the E3 video was made. And the reason why is because they themselves were unsure where they want how they were going to do the flying mechanics and how they were going to balance it out and things like that. When they did a very, very, very early alpha demo during Christmas, I think the article mentions one of the EA CEOs or whatever got a hold of it, played it and said, This is shit, why is why is this shit? And he wanted to do a sit down with Bioware to figure out like, hey, what the fuck's going on with your game? I'm going to give you six weeks to try and do this uh, do this all over again. They do it. They add in the flying. It's like the only thing they changed really is just add in the flying. And the guy goes, oh my god, this is amazing. I want, I want flying in the game now. Like, that's a massive change from an EA developer or an EA CEO telling them to do this to your game when they themselves did not know how the fuck they were going to get it to work. Then... 
2017 into 2018 happens, and all, now we're in the quote-unquote crunch time mode. And now crunch time, which in theory for Bioware should have been working on fine-tuning bugs and fixes and getting the game and adding in features that should have been in the game already, aren't even in the game yet. So now your crunch time is being spent on doing things that should have been solved months, if not years ago in development that didn't get solved because of everything that happened beforehand. So, finally, when Anthem does release, we see how it came out, and their quote-unquote fixes and promises for it are things that should have been done literally, like, months ago. Anthem had a pretty major update or quote-unquote major update a few days ago as of this recording. And 85% of those updates were just bug fixes. These are things that should have been fixed before the game got even released. Now, one thing we got to keep in mind is... And let me let me finish this before you jump in on it. That's fine. That's fine. One, one, one thing we got to keep in mind is no matter how much bug testing pe- companies do, when you go from having a small team of bug fixers to millions of people playing your game, new bugs are going to come up that may have never been seen by anybody because if it only happens to under 1% of players, that might mean it never happens to a single person in your team and could still happen to 100,000 people playing your game. Yes. And, That's and- not what we're talking about here. We are talking about bugs that no one could not see that... Anybody who turned that game on is going to see. Those yeah. are the kind of bugs we're talking about here. Just because we we are aware that stuff's going to come up that companies don't know about. There's going to be bug fixes, but that's not this. There's a difference between having your level one starting gun being shit in the starting game and having a level 30 gun being one of the best games in the best guns in the game and having the level 30 gun that's supposed to be one of the best guns in the game do less damage than the shitty level gun from starting gun from level one that's that's not a fun how well, that's, in the that's hell balance. that's balance that's not bugs though I, mean, I don't know about that their damage calculations they said were a little off off kilter oh okay um, so well that that i didn't know i was I thought that was an, an issue that they didn't balance properly rather than a No, they, they, they balanced the guns around a certain way, but then they, they fucked up the damage calculations on some of the guns too. And then they ended up realizing that they added a... If memory serves, the reason why the level 1 gun did more damage than the level 30 gun is because the level 1 gun also had an additional multiplier on it that no other gun did because they wanted to make sure you could get through the fucking first level. Okay, we're getting into the weeds here, though. Yeah. I think we're talking yeah. more of the broad strokes of this. Yeah, and just from yeah. what it, it sounds like, just from the, your explanation, uh, Ron, it's just, it's, this sounds like a case of way too many hands in the pot, just from start to finish. Okay, so the, the article describes it in more detail, and I linked it in the general chat, and I'm sure people can look, go out there and find it out on Kotaku. The game started concept arting and stuff like that, 20, like 2013, 2014, roughly somewhere around there, if memory serves. Yeah. They stayed in that concept art stage until late 2016, early 2017. 
and the developer and and, and the in the chief director who was who at the time was working on Dragon Age 4's early development had to get pulled off of Dragon Age 4 to get put into this game because they had so many fucking ideas and no cohesive direction to point them into. Yeah, it, it sounds like this, you know, they wanted to do something completely different. They did not want to make uh, Dragon Age in space. Okay, here, here's another here's another fucked up thing. This game is gen- to to classify it was supposed to be a third person MMO uh, shooter with a bunch of looting involved with it. While they were developing this game, they could not say in studio. Let's not do the mistakes that Destiny did. Let's not do the mistakes that Division did. Let's not do the mistakes that that Borderlands did. They could not say Division, Destiny, or Borderlands in the development of the game. So they had to... They couldn't use those games to look at and go, Okay, here's what they did right. How can we improve upon it? Or, oh, here's what they did wrong. Let's not do that. They could not go to those games and look at them. They were told not to. Because of this idea of when we don't want to be influenced by it, um, yeah. And the first rule of art is that you cannot make art in a vacuum. Same goes for video game development. Yeah, and like, if they had looked at Destiny, and if they had looked at Destiny Two, and if they had looked at the Vision, and if they had looked at other looter shooters, they would have seen. So many things that they could have learned on, even just by playing the game. They could have played the game for like 30 hours of De- of Destiny or Division or Destiny 2, and then gone, okay, here's what they did right, and here's what we can do here's what they did right, and here's what they did wrong. Here's how we can make our game feel like it still belongs in this genre, but takes it a step forward. No, they couldn't do that. They were not allowed to do so. They couldn't even mention Destiny or Division in studio. And, again, I want to go back on this because it's worth mentioning again, they had a smaller than normal development team because Bioware at this time was making... When they started off of early concepting art and stuff like that, basically, in the general ideas, they were finishing up development on Dragon Age Inquisition. Then, when they went to early alpha programming and stuff like that, when they started having issues with Frostbite, the company was then finishing up development of Mass Effect Andromeda. Then, all the people that were doing Mass Effect Andromeda needed a little bit more help to get Frostbite Engine to work on, to have it work right. So they had to pull more people over from, from the Anthem to get Andromeda out the door. And all these people coming over from, from Anthem Andromeda are going like, oh man, there's some real weird shit going on with Anthem, and I was building up this this sense of dread in the company of like how this game is going to get made after Andromeda gets pushed out. And then all of those people from all those people from Andromeda they, uh, get put into Anthem, and they see how fucking far behind they are. They're they are. 18 to 20, 24 months behind normal development time. 
also keep in mind at this by this point they were hemorrhaging developers. Bioware lost some of its longest running uh, employee, some major people, because of how this game went. I was, yeah. I was just going to say because nobody knew what game they didn't know what they were making. Yeah, and, and then to add on top of that, to compound it, EA is then literally stealing developers from them because they want to get FIFA working on Frostbite because EA knows that. FIFA is how they make their money, because while North America may not care about soccer, the rest of the world cares about soccer a lot, and FIFA is how EA makes the rest of its money. The problem is, EA, that they had agreed to have this game out by the end of EA's fiscal year, which was in March, Mm -hmm. and they they had been cannibalizing developers from it which continued to put it behind. It had all of its own issues, and it got to the point where they knew they were releasing a broken game, but if they didn't release it now, they didn't get paid. Yeah, it wasn't even it wasn't even thinking like they didn't get paid. It was, I think it was also a case of, like, they would, not only would they not get paid, EA would basically, like, uh, force them into some other corporate... We 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 have no idea. Whatever would have happened would have been very bad for Bioware. Yeah, we, very, we, we very don't we don't know exactly what the what the agreement was. But we do know that they had agreed to release it by the end of the fiscal year, and that was a hard date, and they had no no wiggle room. Yeah, they and, are, and, and EA said like even EA had said initially like we want this release holiday twenty eighteen, and Bioware quite literally said to them, "You're fucking crazy." And then EA went, okay, if you can't release it by, by March of 2019, well, then you are really, really fucked. Well, it was February. February, February was the date they set, but they it had to be out by the end of the fiscal year, so they had so they couldn't push, because February and March are right next to each other. If they need to do it before March, and they're releasing February 21st, that's yeah. a bad deal. Mm-hmm. And... I, for and, and I'm not pooping on the game because the game's bad. I played the game though, when they did their free open beta weekend. There's some actually decent con. There's actually some decent concepts in here. The gunplay isn't that terrible. A lot of the specials that you can do, having it be a, a more special, having it be a more abilities focused looter shooter, is a interesting take on the on the on the genre and one that i generally speaking i think is a good thing however the base of a good game is in there somewhere it's just covered with up with so much ineptitude bugs and general lack of content that here's the thing i can't i can't recommend this game to anyone period yeah here's the thing there can be good ideas there could be a, it, it, there could be fun to be found in it, but unless they can go and polish that game enough and do it quickly enough to to not lose everyone. I mean, look at fucking No Man's Sky. I mean, that was a game that was not what people thought it was going to be. That had a lot of issues. They polished the hell out of it, but 
how many people are going to give it another chance? Like, you you have one opportunity to make a mark in this industry, and if you don't make it that one time, you're fighting an uphill battle, and it can happen. It happened <laughs> with Final Fantasy XIV. To a point, it's happened with No Man's Sky, but most games don't get that second chance. And, and here's the difference between, I feel... Here's the difference between No Man's Sky and Final Fantasy XIV versus Anthem. No Man's Sky was developed by a, was a relatively small individual who created the game, or the concept of the game, and the developer latched onto it and pushed it out. And the developer was willing to spend the extra time on it to make, to make it the game that people wanted it to be. Square Enix, as a developer, saw the problems that they had in Final Fantasy, and Yoshi, Yoshida told them, like, hey, I can make this game work, or we can make a Realm Reborn and have it be a general vamping relaunch. And the developer trusted the direction and the division of Yoshida. Well, we got to bring be... in, we, we got to bring up that Yoshida wasn't even part of the original team. He was brought in from their previous successful MMO because he had done the ja the Japanese MMO Dragon Quest. And they brought him in after the failure and gave him what he needed to do. They threw money at this believing in his vision because and it paid off and, and again there is a and and like and, and and here's why those things succeeded is because there was a individual that had a strong vision and the develop, developing company had enough belief in this individual that they could get this done that this could and, be a thing that they could turn around and another point to that is they that the, the communication was key in this. Yoshida was putting out weekly developer blogs for the fan base telling them exactly, these are the things that we've seen. This is what we were working on this week. This is what I'm doing going forward. These are the issues that we know you have, and here's our timeline for fixing them. And yeah. he was doing that every single week. Yeah. Now, no Man's Sky didn't didn't do that quite as much. No Man's Sky was open about the issues and open about what they were working on. They, no Man's Sky they, also said, like, listen, we are saying this is a game that you didn't think the game released in a way that gave we we present the game to you in a way that it actually wasn't what it was. However, we agree that what you're talking about and your ideas are valid and we think that they are things that can be implemented into No Man's Sky. It's going to take us time to actually do it, but we're going to try and do it to the best of our abilities. Please allow us the time to do so. And they've eventually turned No Man's Sky into what people want it to be. And it's not a bad game. It isn't, um, it isn't a bad game. And you know, indie, and No Man's Sky is, is an indie studio. That's an indie game, is it not? I think it was an indie show that they got a, a big name developer. Uh, okay, okay. For, for No Man's Sky? No Man's Sky was an, indie, was an indie developer that got picked up and given all of the money in the world by Sony. Ah, okay. And also, so you're talking about No Man's Sky, you're talking about Final Fantasy XIV, and also, you know, one major difference between that and Anthem as well, and, you know, it seems obvious to me, um, no EA. Because, it, it, <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, okay. Like, we throw out EA as as a joke, and you know, 
the, it's it's well warranted. You know, there are many many reasons why a lot of gamers hate EA's guts, and they placed a lot of demands on Bioware. They rammed an engine down Bioware's throat that they did not want. That can, was. Can I be? Hold on. Can I be honest about one thing about EA? I we would not have the video game industry we have now if it wasn't for things EA pushed. And it is sad that they've become this monolithic monster when they were the people who pushed for creator's right. And, and totally, it's, it's, totally agree. <laughs> yeah, and, 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 to, and to get why those things are different, if you look at Anthem... Anthem, when it released, had three repeatable dungeons for how you get loot, and that's it. There was... It took Destiny 2 a couple weeks for everyone to get to... That's right. For Destiny 2, it took everyone like who hardcored the game like three days to get to endgame, and then when the raid got added in a week later, it took everyone a couple weeks to, be, to figure out how the, the raid works and how to beat the raid. And then that was it for a little while for Destiny 2. That and that was people and people shit on Destiny 2 for that. There is fewer endgame content in Anthem when it released than there was in Division 2 or Destiny 2. And they could not use Destiny 2 as an example of how not to fuck up. Right. And you know as 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 we're talking about crunch here, you know, yes. We had Anthem, which had way too many hands in the pot to begin with. But, you know, why were there that many hands in the pot? You had EA's own demands. Uh, you had a studio that really didn't know what kind of game they wanted to make. And by the time they, quote-unquote, got it together, they had wasted for lack of a better word, four years of, of time. Yeah, they basically made Anthem in two years. For, and I, I mean literally made. Because the first three, the first four years just didn't exist. Like, basically just throw all that out. It does not matter. They made Anthem in two years from, from literally nothing into what it got released as. Like, all of the different demands placed on Bioware by EA, plus all of the different ideas for what the game should be from its own developers, because they wanted, you, you know, some of the writers that were writing Anthem, when they had given their ideas to the programmers, they were like, so you're just making another Dragon Age. And it wasn't really received very well. And then those writers, those long-time writers, were just like, all right, I quit. You fucking do it. And, and, and this and, is what and, you got. Yeah, and, and, to, and to finish up the, 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 the Anthem talk, Anthem put out other things and said, oh, here's our roadmap for what we want the, the next three months to be or how the next four months to be. We want to add in our Ray. We want to add in more endgame content people. We want to add in more stories and things like that. We have heard few, increasingly less and less things on, from Anthem and from the people working on it. A lot of the community managers who used to be talking to the, to the people or to the, to the, to the audience have 
either left the company or been moved on to a quote-unquote unknown project. Cough, cough, to, to Dragon Age 4. And then they had this bat, big massive patch update that was supposed to also release the new raid. No, it did not release the new raid. It was just more bug fixes and more balancing. I think they added. I think they added one thing you could do, like they added literally one thing, in, in since Anthem came out in early February or mid February. It, it is so. It is so bad when EA put out its E3 press conference schedule. Anthem is nowhere near. Nothing. There's there's no mention of Anthem on any of their product or any of their press release data as of this point. There's a very high likelihood Anthem does not last the into 2020. I mean, it just and you you feel almost bad because a lot of this was. Yeah, I feel like a lot of of this was self-inflicted. Oh, it is. Uh, at least half of it is is due to Bioware itself fucking up in some glorious fashion because they're. The, their 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 kind of Bioware magic was going to happen. They've what? built up this cultural, this 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 company culture belief of no matter how fucking terrible the early the early and middle of, of the development is, crunch time is going to solve everything. Everybody just work sixty hours a week. You make this game, you make this shit turn into a triple A game. You get sixty seventy hours every week for the next five or six months. We can do it, guys. We can do it. We can be the best and just. And no! You, and, 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 no! What the fuck are you doing? Don't treat your employees like they're living in goddamn Japan. There's a different culture here than there is in Japan. What the fuck are you doing? You don't do this. It's just... Uh... I feel like you've gotten very emotionally involved in this topic. I know. I... I, <laughs> I played Anthem. I play, Again, I played the open beta for Anthem and I went, okay, there's some real bad things here. But there's a there's this the, is the a beta. They'll get resolved, right? <laughs> and, and based on what we were told at the point of the open beta, what we were playing in the open beta was what people played at the E3 of 2018 behind closed doors, basically. Mm -hmm. And so the thought was, okay, if what we're playing is basically the E3 the, the the press demo for 2018 and they've had nine or ten months on it since then maybe there's something that's there maybe they fixed everything no no they didn't they didn't really fix any of it it just makes me wonder if as a result of because i consider mass effect andromeda a, a major flop for bioware and anthem is on pace to be no, no actually compared to sales andromeda Met their expectations of sales, so it is a it is a success in the eyes of Bioware. It, it is a it is a critical failure, while a financial success. Okay, and we all have seen that in the movie industry. Yes, and 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 that's that's fine. I just I I'm now wondering because we've been talking about this, you know. If a studio takes a major, you know, there there's not very many studios that can take a major flop and live. Um, I'm just now concerned that within the next few months, we're going to see the articles of Bioware laying off a ton of its workforce because... More likely, EA decides that Bioware is not 
worth keeping as an independent studio and they them and just keep the Bioware name as a branding yeah. tool. I, 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 the most likely thing is EA absorbs all of Bioware's workers into the company, Bioware shutters down, and then Dragon Age 4 gets released um, under the EA under the EA title with the like subsection of like made with Bioware and developers basically and who the fuck knows how Dragon Age 4 is going to turn out because we have heard we have heard literally nothing about Dragon Age 4 other than the fact that we know it's being worked on if by if Dragon Age 4 flops or does not do to EA's expectations I feel like Bioware will go away if Dragon Age 4 is a success, I feel like they will continue playing. Which, you know, again, it's just... I, I, mean, I, to, I, be I feel compl- like... to be completely honest, I don't even know if Dragon Age 4 succeeding is going to be enough to save Bioware. They have fucked up their... They, all of the fan favoritism and the fan belief they had in them, they had going for them, they lost with Andromeda's Inquisition's middling reception, Andromeda's middling reception, and then Anthem shitting the bed all over the, all over the faces of, and, or shitting the bed basically as hard as they could, just just, just wet, farty diarrhea all over the bed. It's um... for the most part they've done well. Well, they haven't all been perfect. Dragon Age has been is pr- pretty stable for them. And I feel like Dragon Age 4 is going to be their benchmark on how much the fans are willing, how much leeway the fans are willing to give. Much as we can talk about how big these two failures were, like, we won't know until they come out with Dragon Age 4 how much faith has really been lost. Because at this point, people were still able to give Anthem a chance. We haven't had another game since to show how much that damaged their underlying faith. Because people still have faith in Square Enix. And how many bombs have they done? Mm. I mean, okay, the reason why people have faith in Square Enix is because they had the bomb, and then they turned it around with A Realm Reborn in 15. Don't, so they rebuilt that faith. Don't tell me. I'm I'm one of those people with the faith in Square Enix. I'm just saying, a company can have failures. It's not until... Like it, it we it's not until they have a success and we see because that success if if they put forth a good game and its sales are terrible, then we know okay people aren't willing to give them a shot anymore. They've damaged their faith too much. At this point, people are still giving them that chance. They did with Anthem. We don't know if they're going to going forward. Well, we'll find out. I just I feel like EA is such a poison pill for them. I really do. It's just to be fair. To be fair, when when Bioware got like when EA said that they acquired Bioware, a lot of people went like, "Oh dear God, please no! Oh dear God, no, 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 no! This is gonna be terrible for Bioware." We know why they did it. We understand why they did it. But, oh dear God, this is gonna be real bad. And turns out that it was really it was indeed yeah. very very bad. I mean, yeah, we got, and uh, I mean. The only Bioware games that I have played from beginning to end are the three, the, the Mass Effect trilogy, which are amazing, amazing games. 
and I know that Bioware has put out other other very popular games, Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic. Uh, I should probably play those Mass Effect games someday. Uh, Neverwinter Nights, Baldur's Gate. Um, but it's just like... Now, now we've seen, you know, the six. There's, there's, there's a, there's a, a big mix, a whole host of reasons why Bioware has really dropped in in the eyes of of the the gaming public, and you know, call it bad business decisions, call it crunch, call it whatever you like. I'm just a little, uh, I'm a bit concerned. <laughs> And you know, and this is nothing new. I mean, we're, we're, we've we've spent forty minutes talking about Bioware. This is not a new situation for for major developers. This has been going on since literally the fucking Commodore sixty four. So you know, mm. so you know, the question then becomes, you know, we know that that crunch is a bad thing for the industry. We know it's it's bad. Why does it continue? Because corporate overlords say you have to, otherwise we're going to bream you a new one and with I mean is 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 is, 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 mo- is money really the 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 only obvious answer? Is it really as yeah. simple as that? It's that sim- here here's the issue. Their video game company are some of the biggest companies in the country at this point, like the biggest ones, right? Guys? Yeah, like, I'll give you that. In, 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 in terms of who they're employing, yes, the, the, they're some of the most, they're some of the largest employers in the U.S. Exactly. So they're trying to treat themselves like all of the 500 biggest companies in the country. Like they're trying to follow the model that proctoring gamble is following that that these companies are following but the problem is video games is not video games are not an industry that has a consistent product that comes out and that sells consistently right it's an they are media. A, they are a media company and they have big ebbs and flows as big releases come out and then they have a, they have the ebb where they they're making less, and they have to make it up with the next one. And there's never a guarantee of how they're going to do, because that it, it it isn't consistent. There's different there's different games. Every game does its own, and they all want them to be successes, but they're not all going to be. And the problem is they're trying to set themselves up in this corporate atmosphere that is that is reporting to shareholders that don't understand how video games work and want it to work like every other company and they're trying to give that to them and that is just it just does not work in the industry and it is causing problems with them performing I think it's also a part of it a very very minor thing they could do also is if you have a triple A title Maybe don't put it at the end of a fiscal year or the start of a fiscal year or in the holiday season. You know, we, we joke about this. We joke about this before. Like, there's there's called the summer dearth of video games, but there's literally nothing that gets released in the summer. Like, 
why would you not release some of these AAA games in the middle of summer, like in July or early August? Because they won't make as much sales as they will during holiday season. The only I know reason why. we get I know why. I'm just saying. <laughs> the only reason we get stuff in January the only stuff we get the only reason we get stuff at the end of the fiscal year is because it was supposed to be a holiday release and they had to push it back. Like that's the only reason. I know that. I'm just like why not put it out in summer when you're not competing up against literally every other studio doing the exact same thing you are trying to make as much money as they can because if you if if you have a middle mid-tier game it would make more sense to put out in summer but if you have a big game you want to put it during you want to put it during the winter because you believe your game is going to be that top game that everyone will be buying I don't give a flying fuck how good your game is. If you're a brand new studio, you're trying to make a triple-A game, and your just thought is, hmm, do I put this game out in summer when there's literally no other triple-A game that's scheduled to release? Or do I put my triple-A game out when I have Call of Duty, Battlefield, and like five or six other triple-A studios that have all built up a shit ton of cultural currency and cultural phenomena attached to it? And do I think my do I think my AAA game is better than my AAA game? Do I think my dick is bigger than their dick? No. Fuck you. I will take the quote unquote less the quote unquote n- not as much money making thing if I can guarantee my AAA game has no competition for the next six weeks. I, I suppose we can all agree on one on one uh, best practice that will help many game developers not go down this road. Um, don't sell your company to EA. Thank you. Please. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there you Public go. Public service announcement for downloadable content. Do not sell your soul to EA. Yep. I mean, honestly, until the until the industry finds a way to make to, until the industry finds a way to get that extra money from consumers that they need to survive in a way that is not actively hostile to the, its users, we are going to continue to have layoffs and issues from the mid-tier publishers. N- notice this is not re- this is not referring to the Activision Blizzard stuff because that was just bullshit. But like, I I I don't want to feel like I'm harping on this, but I I bring it up a lot because it's it's true. Like video games should cost more than they do right now. They don't, and every single decision you see in the industry has to be seen through that lens because it shows the underlying cause for so many of the terrible decisions they make. I, I, I don't think I, I don't think I disagree with you. I just think that the solution for it is not a thing that the video game industry can do, but can do by itself. No, but it has to do something if it wants to stay afloat. And that's why it keeps doing all these band-aids. It can't fix the underlying issue, but it can't ignore it. Yeah, I mean, it can't fix societal issues, but it has to do something, and that's what we're seeing with loot boxes. That's what we're seeing with predatory practices, and yeah. they need to find a better way of doing this that is less damaging to their reputations and to the public. But they have to do something. They can't. They can't. They're at, they. They have passed the point where they can leave things the way they are. So what of the developers, then, who have to work these 
80 plus hour weeks for minimal pay and live at the studio and basically just uh, ignore friends, family, basic Union. hygiene. Unions, that's, 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 that is the answer here. We need yeah. unions in video games. Yeah, that, that is the general working answer is to, to, if you want to have the employer and the employee have any sort of actual concrete power over how many hours they work and not be forced into crunch timing stuff, there has to be, you, unions have to basically just say, start forming and not get pushed out by literally every other publisher right. and developer in, in Hollywood. Right. Right now we are in, for video game, and I won't even say right now, video games is an employer's market. There are far more people who want into the game industry than are in it, which means you have no leverage over your employer because there are 10 people, 50 people with your skills that they can bring in to replace you, which means the only way they're going to have any any way to push back on this is to unionize. If we had a uh, if we had a dearth of people wanting to come into the industry and the people could pick and choose more, they would have more leverage. But I don't see us ever getting to that. There's always going to be more people that want to make video games than there are places than there are places to employ them. Mm. The only way that can change would be if video games explode in such a wide fashion that it becomes the next like Holly I don't say next Hollywood, but like it, it becomes has, the though. next I I know I it has when in the same sense of I mean more in the sense of like the best way I can describe this. Holly when I say Hollywood, I mean not just movies. I also mean TV. I also mean music. Okay. I also mean other cultural artistic movements expressions i, I was gonna say because i was just gonna say i mean i'm i need to look this up because somebody's going to tell me that i'm wrong and i very well could be but i believe i remember reading that video games as an industry brought in more money than hollywood did as an industry last year i think i think in that example when they say hollywood they mean hollywood movies no, no, they, they, they definitely mean movies. I'm not talking to you. Yeah. So, like, when I when I say Hollywood, I guess when I say Hollywood, I mean movies and TV. Okay, and I, I I would separate is, those out. And that, that, it's, that it's a fair separation, and there, there's a there's a reasonable separation. In my thing, unless we get video games to a point where they are seen as part of the Americana culture and likened to as music and movies. Anti and TV, like we're we're not going to have the opportunity to unionize. I feel unless there's a unless there's such a massive pushback from employees. There, it's got to come. It's got to come from. Honestly, I believe it has to come from the government because I feel like employees trying to unionize are just going to get pushed out of the industry. Yeah. It, the only way the employees could do it would have to be like almost, it had to be literally 90% of the employee workforce going, we're unionizing, here's our criteria, and we have so many people that are joining the union that you cannot fill in that gap with the college graduates Hon of, of... Honestly, of, 
I'm of the opinion that they are that they would need big name in that co- in those company. Yeah, to back <laughs> it, to be able to get it to get it have to happen. It's gonna be like, it's gonna be like it's gonna be like ninety percent of your employees, and it's gotta be the big name. It's gotta be your your Bobby Kovacs and your um your 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 other like uh, I, I'm blanking on the names, but like your. Your rights, your yeah. It needs, it needs to be it needs to be your programmers. It needs to be your wires. It needs to be your screen developers. It needs to be your your light bakers. It needs to be your audio Basically, people. You need, you need people who, if who if the company fired them for this, would get media attention. Because the company basically has to be afraid of this of of attacking this for it to happen. You, need, you, basically, you basically need like you basically need like your Todd Howard to join the union. Yep. Like, you basically, you basically like your Todd Howard to join and go like, uh, or, or or Gabe Newell and be like, listen, we're joining, we're making a union, we're joining the union, we want everyone to join a union alongside with us and have have this. So you what you're saying, like, so what you're saying is it's never going to happen. Yeah, pretty, pretty much. <laughs> and this will just keep happening, and we will keep hearing about this, and we will keep hearing about people who are stressed to the point of having nervous breakdowns, who are getting beaten down and who are not getting properly compensated for what they're doing, and... I feel, I feel, I feel, like, I feel like it should be stated that when, you, when you're saying beaten down, you don't necessarily mean purely physical, you also mean emotional, mental, psychological. Yeah. To be fair, yes, there is some physical damage that can be incurred in this due to eye strain, sleep deprivation, uh, um, the carpal tunnel syndrome and other similar things those are all physical ailments that can happen too but the vast majority of what we're talking about when we say beaten down is going to be the emotional the mental the psychological effects it you can't you can't work 20 hours a day for weeks and not have a and not take a psychological toll or or, or have some health or have some health benefit hit, or some some health thing happen like i mean, i'm sorry I, i'm sorry the human body was not meant to be awake for for twenty hours a day, I, from from day yeah. to, to from, from I, day to. I was gonna say my my first inventory at Walmart. I did twelve to thirteen hour days, and then my final day, the inventory day, I worked twenty three no, twenty five hours straight. I slept in the break room for two hours, and I only had to do that one day. And you want to know what? I was fucking out of my gore by the end. And the fact that these people are doing this constantly is uh, amazing. Uh, it, it, it's terrible, but it's amazing that they can even manage it. And 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 there's a reason why I didn't go into the video game industry. And people always ask me, "Well, you have such great ideas. You have such great ideas, Ron. Why are you not in the video game industry? Because of fucking crunch time. That's why." Well, there's always indie developing, Ron. <laughs> I have you. Uh, I, mm-hmm. I, I we have had developers on here. We've had Tanya and her Kickstarter studios, and like I love the things they do. But any developing is is a oh that is a different can of worms that I do not want to get anywhere near with the own issues that we will. I'm sure we will talk about in a podcast someday in the future. Um, I, am, I am I am certain that we will probably be doing kickstarting video games as a podcast soon. I think we have. Brian. 
We have already. Hey, I, I think we have. Yeah, we have. Oh, oh God. We've been doing this so long that we're coming up with ideas for episodes we've already done. Listen. <laughs> listen. We're Simpson. Simpson did it. DLC did it. We're doing it again. That's sure. Fine. Whatever. Oh. Uh, oh. You guys have anything more to say on this before we uh, before we close it down? No. Oh, all right. Um, yeah, fuck, fuck EA. Can we end with that? You gotta end with a fuck EA. Okay. Yeah. Fuck EA. Um, oh, and one last point of clarification. You wanted to know, Ron, how much money the video game industry did compared to Hollywood. Sure. Um, so the most recent information I found was for 2018. Um, in the first half of 2018, so the first six months, um, the NPD group reported that the video game industry collect the U.S. video game industry collected 19.5 billion dollars in sales, compared to 8.1 billion total gross collected by the movies that were released in the first six months of 2018. And we know that the video game industry makes more money in the second half than the first half by an order of magnitude. Yeah. So. Video games make more than Hollywood and the music industry combined. Um, that 19.5 billion does include mobile games. I just want to make that a. Uh, yep. I I wonder how much. I wonder if you took away mobile, how much that would go away. How much would that decrease it by? Uh, by about well, ha- by about half. The other side of it, though, is that that doesn't. I guarantee that number does not include most indie games. Because most of them are not reported through the major sites. True. Yeah, I don't know because this was again. This is a, a figure from the NPD group, which I know is, they they. I have heard of this group. They keep track of video game sales. Yeah. The market research group that uh, does that. So there you go. So. so if you so if you separated out mobile, it'd be about half that. But if you added indie back in, who knows what that would be at? But it would still be higher than the movie. Industry. Oh yeah, at, at, by far. So. Yeah, go ahead and unionize, please. The industry can afford it. Uh, so, all right. So if any of you out there on the wide world of the internet have any questions, comments, thoughts on this episode or any other episode of downloadable content, you could let us know. DLCpodcast.com. Click on the feedback button. Send us your two cents. We'd like to... We'd like to get some feedback. Uh, if you have any uh, thoughts or ideas for future episodes, you can let us know through that as well. And as always, every single episode of Downloadable Content is on our website, uh, dlcpodcast.com, as well as on YouTube, iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play Music. So it's all there. And uh, yeah, that's going to do it for us. All it remains for me to do is to thank Ron and Ronnie for being part of the Ron and Ronnie show. You will definitely have more of them on some of the episodes coming up. So everyone's favorite duo will continue on unabated. I hope you like to hear the sound of our voices because you're going to hear the sound of our voices. Yeah, that'll happen. So, all right. On that fun note, I am Brian. Have a good one, everybody.